0: Welcome to the 11th episode of the Hot Esquina podcast. Yo soy Enrique. John is not here. He is still dealing with personal matters. But I am joined once again by the talented Sean Negron. We are going to discuss the Cleveland series. The Yankees finally got a sweep. How about that? We're going to discuss that little incident. I'm sure y'all know exactly the one I'm talking about. We will preview the Baltimore series and we'll discuss some other topics on this episode of the Hottest podcast. And we'll be right back. It is high, it is far, it is gone. and we're back so before we get started let me welcome in my co-host for today sean negron if y'all remember came on with me in a past episode did such a great job that i had to invite him back you know what i'm saying welcome sean happy to have you back on with me man
1: yeah hey, i appreciate it uh thanks for having me back uh i'm ready to get going ready to get rolling talk about this baltimore series and uh what happening with uh, against cleveland and uh Great series. Great weekend. Uh, let's keep it rolling. Yeah, man.
0: Was good to finally get a sweep. It sucks that it was mired in controversy. We'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, man, if it's all right with you, let's just dive right in. For y'all that don't know, the Yanks won 4-1 to on Friday. Aaron Judge, funny that we talked about him having to step up his game if he wants that mega contract. He went off with two home runs in this game and had three RBIs. IKF. What can we say about IKF at this point? He had an RBI single in the fourth after Framil Reyes hit a home run in the top of the inning. Tayon went five innings pitch with five Ks, no walks, and allowed one earned run. Michael King, what an impressive story he's been. He went three innings pitch with eight Ks, basically eliminating almost every batter he faced via the K. Only one batter actually made contact off the dude. That's impressive. That's impressive. I mean, he nearly went perfect. Um, He also had no walks, which is hella impressive coming out of the pen. Big ups to Michael King. Uh, Chapman got the save in this game, striking out two and not walking any himself. That was really promising to see, especially given the struggles that Chapman had recently. On Saturday, the game we all know all too well. The Yankees won 5-4 in walk-off fashion in a game that ended in chaos. We'll discuss that in a bit. IKF, who, like I just said, apparently cannot be stopped right now, had another RBI in this game. He got an RBI hit with the Yanks down 0-2. Higgy then tied it with a sacrifice fly that resulted in a DP and almost cost the Yankees a run. Basically, Higgy hit it to center field, and the center fielder was gonna throw it to home, but the throw was cut off and they threw it to second base and the runner was nailed down like it wasn't even close. Even though they did review it, but fortunately for the Yanks, Gallo crossed the plate before, so the run counted. Yanks tied the game. Afterwards, we had a Donaldson home run. Maybe he might be turning things around to put the Yanks up three to two, only for Austin Hedges to give Cleveland the lead with a two run home run of his own. But then the ninth happened and it was magic. IKF, yet again, y'all better get used to that name, got yet another RBI to tie the game. And then Glaber, who had been benched to start this game, won it with his first ever pinch hit, walk off hit of his career. Nasty Nestor, another guy we've been talking about a lot recently, went 6.1 innings pitched, allowing one hit. The only hit he allowed was a home run to Naylor in the first inning that put the Yanks down 0-2. He had two walks, eight Ks, and his ERA for the season now is 1.15. He did have a perfect 0.00 but we'll take a 1.15, I'm sure, right, Sean? Like, oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I'll t- I'll take 1.15 any day of the week.
0: <laughs> Amen, brother. Hey, from your quote-unquote number five starter, that's – 100%. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Sunday, perfect segue. The Yankees won the series finale on Sunday in convincing fashion, 10-2. to Garrett Cole – Looked like the Cole we all know and love in this one, going 6.2 with one walk, nine Ks, no earned runs, and allowing only four hits. And he got plenty, plenty of run support in this one with Rizzo, LeMayhew, Hicks, Gallo, IKF, and even Tim LaCastro contributing. And yes, Y'all not hearing things. I said Joey Gallo contributed. You don't have to adjust your earphones, check your ears, check your hearing aids. No, 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 no. I promise you. Joey Gallo contributed in this game. You you ain't hearing things. Um, Yeah, man, this one was fun. So go ahead, Sean. Tell me, man, what did you think of this Cleveland series? It was one hell of a series, huh?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. Um, I remember the last time we had spoke. Uh, I was telling you that the the schedule going into the rest of the month was games that that we had to win and we needed to make a statement and 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 show that we you know that we're we're better than than what we've shown so far and obviously our pitching has been has been unbelievable but we needed we needed the bats to wake up and I think our bats uh, even though you know we only scored four runs in the first game and you know uh, our the run support still was was minimal in the beginning. Uh, we we definitely came up and we, we showed up and showed out and uh, great series all around. I didn't I didn't fear one time in the series except for except for maybe in in the bottom of the ninth for two outs that I thought we would lose the game, but uh, I, I I felt
0: like we were we, we were in good control. Hey brother, you you wanted the bats to wake up. I'll tell you. When you go in a three-game series and score 19 runs combined, that's that's most likely going to get it done unless you're going against like a juggernaut offense on the opposing side of the field that's also scoring 19-plus runs in a series, which, come on, nine times out of 10, you're, you're not going to have that, you know what I'm saying? So this was, this was what we wanted to see as Yankee fans. It was hella impressive to see to see Joey Gallo finally turn it around. It's funny. I had tweeted out when he got that hit on uh, Saturday, I said to myself, could that hit and everybody, every Yankee fan on Yankees Twitter, as we all know, Yankees Twitter is a whole other universe onto itself. But you know, there were Yankee fans on Yankees Twitter that were like, bro, Joey Gallo's so bad that we're celebrating a single or a double. I forgot uh, if it was a single or double. I don't recall at this moment in time, but, um, but yeah, they were like, "It's he's so bad that we're celebrating him getting a hit. But I took the positive side on it. I chose to be positive, not negative. And I said to myself, and I tweeted it out, I said, could that hit be the confidence booster that Joey needed to turn his season around? And sure enough, the very next day, he contributed with a ribby. So, I mean, could it be the start of something good for him? Stanton seems to be slowing down a little bit, but thankfully... IKF has been consistent. Judge seems to be waking up. LeMayhew, we'll, we'll definitely talk about him later. LeMayhew seems to be turning around into the 2019 version of himself. Rizzo has been, bro, for any of y'all that were ragging on the signing of Rizzo because we didn't get Matt Olson, because we didn't get a Freddie Freeman, and y'all were ragging and basically downplaying the signing of Rizzo, y'all still feeling that way right now? Because if you are, obviously you're not watching the same Yankee team that we're watching because Anthony Rizzo has been nothing but consistent and has been a staple in this offense. Like, I, at this point, I'd be mad if they sat him. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you got to like it, man. You got to like what you saw from the bats, especially in this series.
1: Well, yeah. Definitely speaking of Rizzo, you know, he, in the last five games, he's hitting a 333 batting average. And, <laughs> Has been nothing but but unstoppable, and uh, he he has come up clutch with he's got seven hits, twenty one at bats, and, and two doubles, two home runs, four RBIs. He he's he's been nothing but great, and his slugging's at seven fourteen. Uh, those last five games, he has been nothing but but clutch. He he boosted his average from two hundred to two fifty in five games. Uh, that's that's a huge upgrade if if I've
0: ever seen one. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, bro, I get it. He's not the signing that Yankees Twitter and Yankee fans wanted. But I said it from the get. If that is your consolation prize, you need to stop acting spoiled and be grateful for what you got because I guarantee you there's a lot of major league teams that would love an Anthony Rizzo batting in the middle or at the top of their lineup. And we got him as a mother bleeping consolation prize, bro. (laughs) <laughs> like, 100%. how spoiled are we, Sean? You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing too. And I get it. I was one of those people too. And and I wasn't like down that we got Rizzo, but like you know, you hear the names of the Olsons, oh Olson's a possibility. You hear the Freemans, and you're going, oh man, it's down to Dodgers, Yankees. We got to get Freeman, and then you know you lose out, and the negativity that 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 can sometimes grow on you, just knowing seeing these big names not come to the Yankees, and then consolation prize and Rizzo. So. You think it's a bad thing, but you, you remember that even when he was with the Yankees, when he came to the Yankees last in July, he was phenomenal in that Miami series. And then COVID, you know, he got COVID and it slowed him down, but he was, I was
0: still there, phenomenal. By the way, I was at that Miami series, bro. I, I saw it in person, the difference that he made in that lineup. He On the road, he
1: energized the whole stadium and he, he's not <laughs> even on, he's not even playing for Miami. Yes. <laughs> That's bro. when you know.
0: And and, I can tell you I was there. I can tell you that everybody in that stadium, it was 90% Yankee fans and they were loving what they
1: saw. And that's the best part is, is I remember when we traded for him, it was such a surprise that no one had Rizzo on the radar and, uh, and for him to come to New York and to replace, you know, a a void at the time, it was like, wow, we got this guy still great, you know, and, and, I know I've, everyone wants to compare him to superstars, super superstars like Olson and Freeman, but Rizzo is well above average, and still, uh, yes, he you know his age is a little higher than than we would want it to be, but he is still produced at such an incredible level. And my favorite my favorite thing about Anthony Rizzo is that as a lefty, he still hits lefties just as good, if not better, than he hits righties. And you don't Absolutely. get that in lefties anymore. It's that's that's not that 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 common anymore. So I love that the fact that he could pick, whoever pitches to him, it's he's just as comfortable,
0: bro. And you don't you don't lose anything defensively uh, getting him as opposed to getting Freeman or Olson. On the contrary, you pretty much get the same, being that he's a Gold Glover at first, bro. He he's. And the way he's handled himself in New York, like, look at him and look at his counterpart that came with him at the deadline with Joey Gallo. Like, you're seeing literally the two opposite sides of one guy that's taken to New York beautifully and another guy that maybe the weight of the pinstripes is weighing down on him. Even though, like we just said a little while ago, hopefully... The, you know this series against Cleveland is is the sign that he's turning it around and ironically enough brother they're both Italian, so you would think you know <laughs> what I'm saying given New York and the, the Italian presence the Italianos that we got in New York you would think that you know they'd both be a shoo-in to thrive in New York given their ethnicity their background but you know Rizzo has bro he's Shined beautifully in this team and in this market, and I'm super grateful to have him, bro. And I love seeing him every day batting at the top of that lineup. I, I love it. Like I'm, I'm grateful that he's a Yankee. I, I don't oh, know about too. you.
1: Uh, I, I absolutely love that Rizzo's a Yankee, and I was, I was super like, uh I was happy after like a day or two of you know, once I was still in Tampa when when the signing happened that Rizzo was going back to the Yankees and. I was really happy to to see him back because, you know, after you, you, you let the, the thoughts of, the, of, like I said, of the other first basements go, you realize, like, wow, we, we still have Anthony Rizzo on our team, and, and that, you know, that that's the bat that we need still, and, you know, now you get that third, two, but really three lefties in, in a lineup like that, you know, that it's not like we lost anything. If anything, we're just going to get better because we only got a month and a half of Rizzo last year, and it was it was better than what uh, 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 void had done all of last year anyway. And, you know, if, if you look at the first baseman that we had last year when Void was down, it's – I'll take this oh, Rizzo any time. <laughs>
0: don't remind me. Oh, my God. I remember that.
1: From the Mike Fords to the Chris Gittins to – uh, this, uh, to dj
0: having the substitute at first like that's that's Jay a waste Bruce. of love yep
1: <laughs> yep i think we're good i think we made a significant upgrade and uh, especially and you brought it up to defensively this team is so so strong defensively and that is something that we lacked heavily last season with with all of our players so many positions and you know, I at first going at the end of this offseason, I was thinking about it and what Cashman had said, saying, you know, we're going to prove at this, this, and you know, this position defensively, this position defensively, and everyone thinks immediately, oh, Correa, oh, Freeman, Olsen. and but I like this team, and I like how defensively gifted and strong we are, and that like I there's not a single position in the field that I I'm like, oh man, I hope the, a ball doesn't hit over there. Everyone has either gold glove talent or is already a gold glove winner. So
0: And nobody's playing out of position. That's the beautiful thing. Nobody's playing out of position. Going back to the first base thing, when you got a gold glove second baseman and DJ LeMahieu having to cover first base for you because you literally have nobody else, that's a bad thing because then you you have to sacrifice your defense at second base because your best defensive second baseman is playing another position. You know, um, it's it's a beautiful thing when everybody can play their position, their position that they're best at. Hell, look, at, look at Aaron Judge. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look at Aaron Judge even playing center field. He's done beautifully over there. You know, I love the outfield of him, Stanton and Gallo out there like that's a great outfield. You know, uh, Donaldson has handled himself great at third base. IKF, beautiful job at shortstop. And, and DJ, when he's playing second, bro, bro, I could close my eyes and just listen to the broadcast and I ain't got to worry. You know what I, I'm saying? And, I was and saying catcher, the same thing. Yes. Yeah, and at catcher, we've improved. Like, look at the defense at catcher. Look at the framing that we got at catcher now with these guys, with Trevino, with Higgy. And Rortved is on the way. So, I mean, bro, night and day. Night and day, you know. Like you said, you hit the nail on the doorhead. It is not the team that Yankees Twitter and Yankees fans wanted because they wanted the big fish, but it is a good team, bro. It is a good team. It is a better team than what you had last year. And if the bats show out the way they showed out against Cleveland the rest of the way, I'm feeling confident about what this team could do because we don't lack anything defensively. You know what I'm saying? And you've seen how good the pitching staff has been, especially the bullpen. So, I mean, really, the only thing that was lacking was the hitting. So, if the hitting gets on par, bro, I'm confident as hell. (laughs) Confident, damn near cocky.
1: And that's that's what I was saying on on Sunday on Twitter to the Yankees' Yankees Twitter was because everyone was like, wow, if we can just put up 10 runs a game, we'll, we'll be unstoppable. And I was saying, you don't need 10 runs a game. With this pitching staff, you need just more than four and you're in a comfortable place. I'm not saying that you know, the Yankees bullpen is going to be this elite and dominant for for 6 months. It's everyone's going to crack eventually, but you never know. And that's the part that I love about this team is that with this bullpen, I I haven't had confidence in a bullpen like this in so many years. I haven't had confidence since the the Run DMC days, where I trusted three guys to come in in the seventh, eighth, ninth to be like, "All right, we, we can as long as we're winning in the seventh inning, we'll win." Now, when when I see the starter come out, I'm I'm not going. Oh man, I hope they're putting in someone good that can just get us. It's no, it's no. I, you know either either if it's Holmes, if it's Lysica, if it's uh, uh, Peralta, Litke, I trust them all. Even Schmidt, King. Obviously, uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup this this Saturday with with Chad Green, but you know, that's...
0: ironically, he's been the worst one out of all of them, which is which is surprising because he's not a bad pitcher.
1: No, and that's the funniest thing is that if we go back just like a year or two ago, our our most confident pitchers that we had was Cole and Chad Green. That was the two guys we said, oh, they got to be together; they'll get us a win. And I I I still love Chad Green. Even though last year was probably his biggest hit or miss year, with with either being dominant or giving up 14 home runs, nine of them giving the other team the lead, and and obviously Cole had a couple of mishap starts, but I this whole bullpen is is every time I see them, I I just go I I feel good, I I feel good, I feel like we can come back as long as the hitting's there, we can we'll win this ball game. I have never looked into a game going, I don't know if we can win.
0: I think we can win bro at, at this rate. And especially with the starting pitching being the way it's been, because hey, bro you, you, <laughs> with Cole looking like the vintage Cole that we all know Tyone, you know, big ups to him. He's been doing this thing. He hasn't been perfect by any means, but he's been good enough to put you in a position to win. If the bats contribute, you know what I'm saying? That's all you can ask of your starting pitcher to give you a chance to win. And if, they give you a chance to win and the bats don't do the rest and they don't fulfill their end of the bargain that's not on the starter and that's what i can say about jamo that he's giving you a chance to win each time nestor cortez are you kidding me bro you feel confident every time he's on the mound severino has looked like vintage severino out there you know what i'm saying so i mean you feel confident each time with most of your starters.
1: Well, just going off of that, you know, after this last game, Garrett has a 4 ERA exactly. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the rest of the starting pitching rotation in the ERA. Severino's a 2.08. Montgomery's a 2.51. I knew I was Tyone, missing Monty.
0: I was like, who am I missing? I, I was missing Monty. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue.
1: And then Tyone is a 3.07. And Nestor is a 1.15. You, you really can't X for much better as a starting rotation than that, and that's not even what we look at because of how, how much we pay attention to the bullpen. That, that, those five have been have been contributing in their own ways and have been so helpful as well. They've kept us in the game through the first five, six innings every time to get us to the bullpen so that the bullpen can also
0: shut it down. And it helps, man. It helps when you have 100%. a bullpen like that where you can put your guys in for four or five innings. You know, if, if you can get you know six from cole like what you got even nestor gave you six yeah, a- you got 6.2 from cole you got 6.1 from nestor that's that's a beautiful thing you know yeah. you got five innings from Tyon. that's that's beautiful if you can get five or six innings from your starting rotation that's a beautiful thing given the short and spring training and the fact that you know boone the mm-hmm. analytics the nerds, and and just overall, most teams in baseball, not just the Yankees, let's, let's be real here, they want to ease in these starters. They don't want them to go, you know, seven, eight innings right off the bat because they've had a shortened spring training. So given that, you obviously need at least a competent bullpen if you're going to ask your starters, hey, I know you can go deep. But I don't want you to go deep early in the season. I want you to work up your arm and work up your arm strength to be able to handle that long term. Because as we all know, an MLB season, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So given that, if you have a competent bullpen, you can do that. I feel bad for the teams that don't. You know what I'm saying? A Baltimore who we're about to face. I know... As much as their fans may be in denial and every fan roots for their team, their fans cannot honestly say that they feel confident once their starters go out and, you know, that they feel confident that their bullpen can hold it down. Not every team has the luxury the Yankees have with this bullpen. So in a season where every single team is asking their starters to go five, maybe four, if you don't have a bullpen to sustain your lead or at least keep you in the game and give you a chance to win in the end, you're in trouble. Thankfully, the Yankees don't have that problem. 100%. Um, Yeah. And speaking of problems, man, that's actually a perfect segue to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. There was apparently a problem on Saturday, Sean. I'm sorry, Yankees Twitter. I'm sorry, Yankees fans that feel like, you know, I'm beating a dead horse when I bring this up, but, We're a podcast. We got to talk about it. We'd have to be living under a rock to not talk about what happened Saturday with Miles Straw, with uh, Mercado. I forget his first name. Oscar. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. And the Cleveland outfielders with the bleacher creatures out in right field and and just the outfield seats in general. For y'all that don't know, Stephen Kwan got hurt during Saturday's game. He was running down a ball that was hit to left field so hard that he had to chase it down. And in the process of chasing it down, he crashed into the wall and injured himself. During which point, some fans, who do not represent all of us Yankee fans, let's be real, because not all of us act like this, but some fans were heckling him and telling him, yeah, stay down, yeah, stay down, and basically making fun of him getting injured. Miles Straw took it upon himself to defend Stephen Kwan, his teammate, which, hey, the guy might be a jerk, the guy may be a cheater. He's a former Astro, so he's a cheater in my book. But in the grand scheme of things, he's defending his teammate, so I don't, I don't blame him for that. Because he was defending his teammate, he took it upon himself to then engage with said fans that were mocking and berating Stephen Kwan after he was hurt and down on the floor now my whole thing with this is you want to get into it with the fans and defend your teammate that's fine you know this is America we all have a right to speak our mind and freedom of speech my thing is this guy this professional baseball player took it upon himself not only To go back and forth with the fans in the outfield and jaw with them. He went and climbed the fence like if he was Spider Man and dared one of the fans to hit him. After that, the fans then retaliated after Glaber walked off, which should have been a celebratory moment, a celebratory mood. And instead, it resulted in a moment that will live in infamy where I'm sure it'll get posted and reposted all over, where the fans were throwing bottles, cans, and all types of different debris into the outfield towards the guardians outfielders sean before i give my take on this man what do you think about what happened uh saturday
1: um i didn't like it one bit uh there's nobody innocent in this in this situation uh the situation that happened with Quan, uh you know just to start it off you know he's trying to make a, a a game-ending play. He makes that catch. The game's over. Yankees lose. And he makes up a. He makes an incredible catch. He doesn't make the catch. He, he's he's off by inches. You know. Definitely. I I don't know if people realize this, but yes, there's padding on that wall, but it's it's a cement block right behind it. So I don't think people realize that you go full speed into that. It's gonna hurt. And uh, the thing is, is that after that, reading, uh, listening to what was said, and then reading the transcript of what was said. Straw took it to a different level. I don't. I am not agreeing, or I'm on the side of Yankee fans on this one, or those those specific Yankee fans, I should say, because it's super disrespectful, and you you, you paint such a terrible light for all of our, us Yankee fans who disagreed with you, and who are looking at you know at home watching this game, and now every single time we for the recent future now that we associate with the Yankees, or we're say a Yankee fan. We're we're gonna be told that we're terrible. We're terrible fans. We're 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 worst. We're a terrible fan base, and and all these things like like Straw ended up saying in the post game interview. We're the worst fan base in the world. But Straw did not make it much better by uh one listening to it and in and, and then letting it affect him because if you watch the video over, he's he's sitting there and he's kind of baiting the fan to to keep talking to him, keep talking to him, and then. By doing that little Spider-Man stunt to to now get in his face like that... the bleacher creatures on the other side of the field don't know what was said but now they know that you are starting something they don't know if you said like please stop or you know do something about it whatever you said i know what was said but i'm just just saying whatever was said now you just made the situation 10 times worse
0: by the way to those of you that don't know what he said uh earlier today big ups to sean for sending me this tweet john boy who always seems to be on top of everything when it comes to things that are said on the field as you all know he was the one that discovered the savages in the box thing with boone he was able to you know get that audio and figure out what boone said yeah and the astral scandal obviously uh he was able to get the audio of um what happened with with straw and apparently when straw climbed the fence he told one of the fans hit me expletive hit me expletive and you know come on like really you're a major league ball player you're going to climb a major league fence and you're going to entice a fan to punch you what what kind of person are you bro
1: yeah that's that's the thing where now you took it to this level of uh, i understand what people say when they say you know fans are ruthless and you know we should be giving more respect to the players because of the athletes and who they are and their people too. But you're always going to have hecklers. You're on the road. You're at Yankee Stadium. You're in New York. You're going to have hecklers. Yeah, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a fan of what the fans said about Quan. Stay down, Quan. You're going to get it, Mercado. That, not a fan of. I don't like that and I don't tolerate it. But at the same time, it wasn't something you haven't heard before. If you've been to a sports game in your life, you've heard 10 times worse. So... And I'm Especially not. I'm, in New York. Exactly. And I'm not trying to take it away that, you know, what they said wasn't good or bad or whatever. But to, to climb the fence, now you've made it a situation. Now you have made the whole stadium aware that now there's a problem here. So that very next at bat where Glaber walks it off. Now those fans that see you starting with another fan, they ha- now they want their revenge. And I, I think it was disgusting what those fans did, throwing stuff at players and in intent to hurt them or, or, or hit them or whatever you want to say. That is a disgusting act. And I hope, I hope that they they find every single one of those fans who did that and they're they're never allowed back in Yankee Stadium because that's not who we are as a fan base. And I and I would never ever do something like that, Maybe. but for that situation nobody's innocent like i was saying and straw made it much worse the yankees fans made it 10 times worse and that's the, that's the part that everyone remembers the last act everyone remembers the retaliation so now everyone thinks of 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 straw but now they remember all oh, the yankee fans ruined the, the walk off by you know now attacking the guardian players and to also and to to keep this short, I was uh, speaking in the spaces, the Twitter spaces in the cabana. A Cleveland fan was talking, and he was saying that he was really looking forward to the Yankees coming to Cleveland because he already has a bunch of Cleveland fans and friends who are going to be waiting to get their retaliation on the Yankees players, and that's that's a problem. I'm not saying that it's gonna I'm, uh, it's gonna happen or not, but that's just a couple people you who knows what that fan base is thinking after a situation like this now you have set up a dangerous environment for the yankees to come in into cleveland whenever they do and you don't know what's going to happen there you don't know if there's going to be retaliation from the fans you don't know if there's going to be a pitch up and in we now we don't know yeah. and that's that's not what i want to see
0: i agree I agree. And like you said, man, it's it's a few dumb. I'll say it, even though I don't like to curse on this podcast, but it's a few dumbasses that ruin it for the rest of us and paint a bad picture for the Yankee fan base as a whole. And when you say that, when you say a Yankee fan base as a whole, you don't just talk about Yankee fans that are in their 30s or 40s like me and you. You talk about Yankee fans like my son, who's 10 years old. you know, God willing, when he's my age, he'll be going to the Yankee games with me as as an elderly man, you know, and we'll be able to (laughs) enjoy that same experience we enjoyed when he was a kid. You look at you know all those kids that get featured in the toyota pinstripe moment of the day or whatever it, during every yankee broadcast some of them are babies yeah. they're they're eventually gonna be yankee fans because they're being raised in a yankee family you know there was a game recently earlier this year where when the yankees always uh salute military veterans they saluted a military veteran that had just turned a hundred years old he's obviously a yankee fan so you're encapsulating him in that too really You're going to say that he's part of the worst fan base in the world, bro. You cannot let a few idiots ruin it for the rest of us. Because like I said, you're then counting the elderly, you're counting children, you're counting people that have nothing to do with those scumbags. And I agree with you. I hope that security and uh, security camera footage discovers exactly who each one of them is and they're... Booted from Yankee Stadium and never allowed to come back because it just paints such a bad picture, not just for Yankee fans now, but for Yankee fans in the future. Like I said, like my son, who, you know, might be a a 10 year old kid now but he won't be a 10 year old kid forever. And you know what happens if this is the narrative moving forward, is he going to get ridiculed? Cause he's a Yankee fan. Thanks to these people. You know what I'm saying? It- it's not right. It's not fair. And I'm not trying to get on them only because like you said, everybody has a blame in this. Miles Straw was out of line, climbing that fence and telling the fan to hit him. And like, that's, That's thug behavior, you know what I'm saying? And come on, man, like you want to be a thug on the streets, bro. You want to act your tough guy BS on the streets with other people. That's fine. But when you're wearing that uniform and you are on the clock, as they say, you know, and you're playing in a major league game that is being broadcast by Yes Network or by whatever, you know, channel that Cleveland uses, which I believe is Bally's, you know, how many people are watching you on TV acting like an idiot? You know, how you act on your private time is one thing. But when you're on the clock and you're playing in front of a national audience, use a little common sense, bro, and, and, you know, behave like the role model you're supposed to be, you know? Exactly. Half these guys are role models to children, you know what I'm saying? What role model is this guy, you know, portraying himself to be to kids in Cleveland when he does this type of stuff, you know? What must kids in Cleveland my son's age be thinking now? Like, are are some of these, you know, kids that can be influenced, are they now going to, you know, try to act like little tough guys because they saw miles straw do it you know what i'm saying like you gotta think bro when you're a professional athlete you gotta think i i, I just didn't like the situation all around and just yeah bro uh, I'll, I'll finish it with one thing i thought as a society we were past all this bro i'm 38 years old and i remember you know Full disclosure, I'm also, uh, aside from being a big time Yankee fan and being a baseball fan and a baseball junkie, I I tend to watch pro wrestling. I remember watching pro wrestling in the 90s when, you know, throwing stuff into the ring was the norm, especially if you watched WCW or or ECW, especially if you watched ECW, you know, throwing stuff into the ring, toilet paper, whatever, that was the norm. But I mean, that was the 90s. And we've since evolved from that. You don't see that type of stuff anymore. You know? I'm saying I mean I think if I'm not mistaken Sean I think the last time I saw something like that at a sporting event was I don't know if you remember this but in the NBA you remember the whole incident between Ron Artest uh, yeah I was gonna say the Pistons and the Pacers you you nailed it on the head bro I'm glad we're in sync (laughs) brother I love that yes the malice in the palace that was the last time I remember fans acting that rowdy and how long ago was that Uh, bro like come on 20 years ago haven't we evolved from this type of behavior come on now new york like come on man
1: like yeah like i said man it's no one's innocent in this and uh i think it was a disgusting act that the fans did throwing stuff to try to hurt another person and another and someone a professional baseball player at that is a terrible disgusting act and you know like you were saying about straw uh he doesn't just you know you gotta look as if i was straw and if as straw you have to look at yourself as you can't just be representing yourself here you can't think about just yourself here. you're representing the Cleveland Guardians, you're representing Major League Baseball. You're every everyone you do this act, the whole world sees this. And I understand, you know, emotions are high. You hear you see your, your a, a teammate get hurt, and you're hearing heckler say, Oh, why are you faking it? But that's not even that bad. And if you've if for someone who played for the Houston Astros, you've heard much worse, much worse these last couple of years. So to do something like that, that very childish immature and from both parties disgusting and i hope never i hope i never see it again
0: I am 100% with you on that brother so let's let's move on to uh, something a little more positive and uh, something that makes us a, a little happier Um, changing the mood a little bit on the podcast today let's let's move on to uh, let's move on to two guys that seem to be turning their season around I, I know we briefly touched on this earlier but uh, I want to go a little more in depth with it uh, what do you think of uh, Joey Gallo and Garrett Cole possibly turning things around I we we saw Garrett Cole, like like I said before, shut down uh, the Cleveland Guardians pretty much um, for 6.2 innings of uh, dominance on Sunday. Um, we saw Joey Gallo, you know, come up with beautiful hits on, on Saturday and Sunday. Um, what do you think of, of their possible turnarounds or or are we reading too much into it and need to see more from both guys? What do you think? Am I, am I getting on the train too fast here, Sean? Like, am I getting too excited, too quick? do we need to see more
1: uh, of course I think we definitely need to see more but I think they've definitely turned the corner um for speaking of gallo first you know three hits in four games uh he's really started to turn the corner i think i really started to see a difference in him when he came in on on saturday and yeah he only went one for three with a walk but if if, if you look at that walk and that was what i said from the beginning that that was the turning point for me he's down one two in the count and looking at two bad cutters in a row and it's to finally make a nine pitch at bat to get eventually get walked it, it, an amazing at bat and you you felt you you saw the confidence in him as he was he was smiling jogging the first base it was like a relief that he finally was able to to work the count you know do something productive for the team and and not be an automatic out like all Yankee fans think he is now and then to come up the very next at bat and hit that rock solid single you know to, to center field like that he got perfect contact he was he didn't think too much about it and you could see it and you could when you're watching him, you just he just put bat on ball and just let everything else work itself out, and that's exactly what happened. And he and it was perfect. He finally got his first RBI of the season on on Sunday and with another hit and, and his first extra base hit. And so it was, you know, that you just you're seeing him finally be like, all right, I'm getting it. All right, I, you know, it took me yeah, it took me 16 games to finally get it, but I got it. I'm getting it. And I'm not saying that he's gonna be one for four every single game now for the rest of the season. We're gonna see. All for four or four strikeouts that's just who Gallo is Gallo is the epitome of today's baseball of walk strikeout or home run that's that's who he's always been but you could see that he is clearly starting to turn the corner he he could you know he, there is light at the end of the tunnel with him and I, I'm I've been saying it from the beginning that Yankee fans just can't be like all right we got to trade him he's terrible at 15 games there's no reason to keep him he, there's a reason we kept him and he's one even if he wasn't the the 40 home run guy that we know he is a phenomenal outfielder, gold glover, two time gold glover, two time all star. He is someone I trust every day in left field. And he's mainly a right fielder. So the fact that he plugs that left field hole where we don't have any left fielders, I he has been nothing but great on that end. Yeah, he makes a couple of miscue plays here and there. But I trust him in the lineup every time. If as long as he's playing great left field, I want him in the lineup.
0: I agree. I agree. Uh, I I said it earlier, man, the outfield alignment of him, Stanton and Judge is arguably the best outfield alignment we have. No disrespect to Aaron Hicks, but I feel like those three in the outfield is the best alignment you can have. And And to be honest, it's what I'd go with in a playoff game, like especially in a must win playoff game. That's the outfield alignment I'd go with. So and and it's because of exactly what you said, because with Gallo, you have the gold glove defense and he has a cannon of an arm. Let's not forget yes. that. Like he can gun down people with the best of them. And so does Stanton. And you saw Judge make a really nice outfield assist too um, in this series against the Guardians also. So, you know, he has a cannon. He's yes. always had one. So, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how, yes, whenever you're watching a Yankees game on, yes, and you see the opposing team have a base runner on you always see that graphic uh i know you know what i'm talking about where they put that graphic where it shows green light red light yes uh for the outfielders (laughs) yeah where it says you know you got a good chance of running on this outfielder you don't have a chance against this outfielder i feel that when you have that alignment with those three it's a red light for all three of them because it's
1: crimson (laughs) it's crimson red (laughs) yes you don't run on them ever
0: So that's why if you have at least a competent back from Gallo, he deserves to start. Like, you know, all you ask of him, you said it perfectly. All you ask of him is to not be an automatic out. Mm -hmm. You don't need him to be a 300 or 280 hitter because he will never be one. I 100% agree with you, Sean. He's never been one in his entire career, including when he had his better years in Texas. He wasn't a 300 or 280 hitter. But if you can get, you know, let's just say... uh, go a little generous if you can get a 250 average out of gallo at least 250 with 40 homers and you know let's just say 80 to 100 rbis bro you'll take that any day of the week any day of the week from joey gallo you know what i'm saying like and that's yeah. all you ask for and and if his on base percentage is at least better and he's taking those walks and he's not going for bad pitches and he's not an automatic out and striking out you know four times getting the golden sabrero like he did uh recently in the in the series before clee then, bro, like that's what more can you ask for from Joey Gallo? So I'm 100% with you, man. If he picks up his back he's great to have out there at left field. I completely agree with you.
1: I, and and the thing is, I think with Gallo is that you know we you were talking about this before when you were talking about you know uh, Rizzo and Gallo coming over, and you know Rizzo seemed to fit right into New York like he like he was here all along. And the thing is, I look at it and I go, you know, with with Rizzo, he was already donning pinstripes in Chicago and Chicago is a very baseball, you know, city that breathes Cubs and obviously there's the White Sox as well. But mainly everyone talks about the Cubs and the diehard fans of the Cubs who before Rizzo waiting 100 years for a World Series championship. So he embraced Chicago after being traded there and he became fan favorite, favorite player. He was the king there. And so coming to New York wasn't like that much of a jump. Now, if you go to Gallo, someone like me who lived in Dallas, Texas for two years, I've watched him on an everyday basis at globe life uh, i think it's globe life park now but it i it's one of those but Um, at that stadium, it was less than 5,000 people a game and no one, there was no booze when he went over four or four K's that it's a big difference. You know, you come, you go from that to this, every at bat matters, every, every strike that you swing and miss at, they point at. So I felt like that was such a huge wake up call for Gala, who even, you know, growing up a Yankee fan knows better than anyone. That no matter what you do, you're remembered for it. You strike out four times, we'll talk about it forever until you change the narrative. Yeah. And that's not what that was in, in Texas, where it didn't matter what he did, as long as he hit 500 foot home run once a week, that was the only thing that was mentioned. And yeah. so that was a big difference with him. And being a career 205 hitter, I'd be happy with him just hitting 210 with 30 home runs and being a productive <laughs> yeah. left fielder. If you can be a productive left fielder and, and be the gold glove, because he's a gold glove winner last year. He won the gold glove.
0: Two years in a row. Yeah.
1: And having seven, uh, he threw out seven guys last year, which was, I think, tied for second most or, or tied for first most. I can't remember. But isn't that what we want as Yankee fans? Isn't that the outfield presence that we were dying for? The one that we were begging for, for please stop bringing Gardner back. Isn't this the guy that you were begging for in July? Preach,
0: Preach, brother. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I think I heard fans chanting, we want Gardner when he was batting. It's like, really? Do you really? Do you really want Brett Gardner back and want him instead of Joey Gallo out there? Come on, man. Like, Let's think long term guys. Let's not let's not get caught up in the moment here, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's the thing too and I think even Gallo is starting to figure that out is that Yankee fans short temper and will forget everything you do as long as you if you have a couple good days, they'll turn and they'll go right back to loving you. And that's just how it is. You have bad days, they don't like you. They you have good days, they love you. And we we were seeing in the beginning of the season with with Higashioka and Sanchez. Higashioka struggles, goes one for seventeen in the home series. Everyone's asking for Sanchez back because he hit a grand slam <laughs> with the Twins. And yes. but for five years, we're begging for Sanchez to leave the team. Yes. So that's just how things go.
0: That's that's Yankee fans for you, man. That's Yankee fans for you. We you know I I've always said it. We're spoiled, bro, and and we want the best from from each player that dons the pinstripes and we want the best now like we we care about the what have you done for me lately we don't care what you did in the past and and it's just what it is and it's part of donning the pinstripes it's part of the pressure that comes with donning the pinstripes and everybody that dons those pinstripes knows this and i feel like Joey Gallo's just getting to know this and just getting used to it and you know much like IKF seemed to slow it down and stop worrying so much and just stopped pressing Mm -hmm. Maybe that's all Gallo has to do Maybe he just needs to stop pressing at the plate And, you know, calm things down Bro, relax Don't worry about, you know, every at-bat Like if it's, you know, your last at-bat of the season Like take it one at-bat at a time Work your approach Work those walks Because if you work those walks That means you're getting your pitch recognition down And if you get your pitch recognition down You see the results He's getting base hits And then with his power Once the base hits come You know the home runs are going to come And you've seen the home runs that this guy hits. Oh, yeah. And that,
1: uh, I'm just going to, I am just super excited. he is part of this team and what this what the future holds for for this team i'm i know we're way better than than the the one bad game that we that that we have every now and then so patience is a virtue and patience is key for this for yankee fans yankees twitter everyone who's a yankee fan anywhere just be patient it's gonna be all right we have one bad game don't worry we'll have three better ones tomorrow and the next day and the day after i agree brother
0: and and speaking of patience that's that's actually a perfect segue because the other guy I asked you about Garrett Cole so you know I feel like his outing against Cleveland showed Yankee fans hey bro be patient this you know Garrett Cole is not washed Garrett Cole is you know I even asked in the last episode do we have to worry that he's no longer an ace I I asked John Brophy this in our last episode and he was worried about it even you know and he doesn't even watch as much Yankee games admittedly because he admits it himself than then we all do because he covers the tarpons and he doesn't have time to watch them um but even he was worried about garrett cole and you know he he asked me he's like could this be the start of a decline you know could he be on the downward trend of his career well that start against cleveland kind of gave you the hint that maybe he's not you know what i'm saying that maybe he got off to a rough start and maybe he's turning it around i like the garrett cole we saw against cleveland man and 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 if you want, we could briefly, while you touch on him, we could briefly touch on another guy that seems to be turning it around uh, that you wanted, that you told me off air, you wanted to talk about DJ LeMayhew. He seems to be turning it around to the 2019 version of of himself, like we said earlier in the podcast.
1: Yeah. And to keep it I'll I'll keep it brief on both. For Cole, it's still April. (laughs) (laughs) And I was saying since, since the beginning, since the, on every uh, spaces, Twitter and even in February, because everyone was saying, oh, look at the Boston game. He's never going to be the same. And, all oh, like, I can't believe that he did this. He was never the same after the hamstring injury. He's going to be fine. And you go into a shortened spring, you really can't look at those two, you know, those two games, the, the three games, I mean, and, and, and really think that bet. One, the Boston game, he had four hits right off the bat, right start the game, but no hits after that. Mm-hmm. He, he he got out 16 in a row after that. No one talks about that. The Toronto game, five and two thirds, three earn. He's one out away from a quality start. So I don't know what the issue there was. Obviously, I'll tell you we,
0: what the issue there was, it was it was vladdy guerrero jr that that was his only that was the only thing that he had wrong in that series it was him because everybody else he did good against
1: exactly and 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 i should have said that but you're right vladdy vladdy had his number that night everyone everyone has a great day and i'm not saying vladdy's not good enough to you know to to do that because vladdy is going to be you know an mvb can mvp candidate this year but it's, it's vladimir guerrero jr you know it's it's He's a superstar on superstars. He, he beat Cole that night. But every other guy in the lineup couldn't hit Cole. So, you know, I don't know why people look at that as, oh man, we don't know if Cole is is a number one anymore. And then, yeah, the Detroit series, that was the one that people went, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, to, to go from, you have the solid first inning with three straight strikeouts, and then to go with the 46 pitches in the second with five walks, it was, oh, no, what what is going on? He's walking people home. He walked the bases loaded. He's walking people home. that He's never done that in his career. So that's the thing with Yankee fans. They see that, and they go, oh, he's done. He's done. Yeah, it, was it. The
0: shortest out is, it was the shortest outing of his career, man.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. No one wants to look at the positive. Everyone wants to jump on the negative. Everyone wants to see one person say something negative, and they just jump on it. Oh, yeah, 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 he's terrible. He's terrible. He's terrible. And all I kept saying was, just wait. It's all right. It's going to be fine. No pitcher is going to be at at who they are until they hit May anyway, when they're finally ready to throw 100 pitches. And their arm is finally – this April is kind of like the finishing touches to a, a normal spring training. So now we're seeing it. Yeah, the games count. But now we'll see uh, Cy Young candidate – Garrett Cole coming in starting May 1st and when he gets his next start and he will be the Cole that we know. And we, and we saw it, we got a taste of it just this past weekend. He was absolutely phenomenal. And I went into that game going, he's going to be great. Speaking of DJ LeMayhew, <laughs> he's finally, I take a little while, sorry, but DJ, DJ is back to the 2019, 2020 guy that we know, you know, and, and, and I'm not trying to jump on that bad get too quick, but, it clearly seemed last year he was playing hurt and that's that that's why he if he's not my favorite player he's right up there because oh, yeah. to to have a sport hernia is is brutal and to to not say anything about it for who knows how long he had it and then to play through it and still be yeah he wasn't a 330 300 hitter that he was you know what the the two years prior even though he's hitting 33 33 now You know, he still was a productive player, and it was just a very, I think last year is one of the oddest years I've ever had as a Yankee fan in my life so I'm not even going to think about that year anymore I'm looking forward to this year with him you know being placed in multiple spots in the lineup already and being nothing but clutch with 17 hits and 51 at bats bro did you
0: see that hit that he hit on, on Sunday where he hit a line drive to right field that the right fielder jumped and like I feel like if that ball had maybe a few miles per hour less on the exit below that the right fielder makes the catch Mercado but because that ball was hit so hard even though mercado jumped at the right time he still couldn't put the the ball in his glove because it literally beat his glove the ball was already past his glove when he put it up he bro he slaughtered that ball you you know the play i'm talking about right yeah yes was that on Sunday or Saturday? I, that I was, forget. That was Sunday. No, I feel like that was yesterday. I I, I think so too. I'm I'm I could pretty be sure. Wrong. Yeah. It might have been. It might have <laughs> been Saturday when we wanted. You know what? My. You know what? It was yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, so yeah. man, was in he my mind. For slaughtered that ball, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, but we both were. We both were. <laughs> but yeah, man, he slaughtered that ball, bro. And when you are a contact hitter like DJ is, and you're hitting not only hitting the ball but hitting it that hard where, you know, like Dylan Lawson says, hit strikes hard, right? When you hit strikes that hard, that even though the, the outfielder has the ball played perfectly, he jumps at the perfect time and he still can't catch it because yeah. the the ball passes the glove by the time he puts the glove up, you know, you're making solid contact at that point in time, man. And and that's when you know that you're locked in. DJ yeah. LeMahieu is locked in,
1: bro. hundred percent. And that's, and uh, I don't know if people have been talking about it, but in 19 and 20, his number one thing he loved to do was. Swing at that first pitch because he knew that that was the one he could jump on the most, and that's kind of what Glaber was doing. But those two, his two big hits yesterday with the double and the um, the hit that we're talking about, and the, I think it was a double, and then the home run he had later, first pitch, he he knew and and he he and not he was. He got full barrel on both of those balls. You know, he, he looked like the, the player that we knew. And uh, like you said, for being a contact hitter and for having the three hits that he had yesterday, he, he looked like the MVP form that we saw in 2019.
0: Yeah, man. No, and, and it, it, like I said, it, it, was, it was beautiful to watch. It really was. And, you know, like I said, that's all you can ask for from him, you know. The same way we talked about Gallo, you know, that all you ask for is for him to be competent. All you ask for from DJ LeMayhew is to hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball hard. You know, don't try to be, you know, a home run hitter. Don't try to do too much. Just put, put the ball, bat on ball. Um, Looking it up, man, because I, I just had to remember and I remember asking on Twitter, actually, <clears throat> ironically enough, because like I said, I was just so impressed by that hit that I had to ask what the exit velo was for that. He hit that ball to right field that we're talking about at one hundred and three point two miles per hour. That was the exit velo Wow. That's yeah, that's pretty hard, bro. <laughs>
1: For someone like him, it's that's that's a that's he got everything in that one. And obviously we we think, "Oh, well, that's pretty good because we have someone like Stanton who every time he touches it it goes 110+. plus, but for someone like DJ, that he got all barrel on that one."
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like I said, man. Like I said, it, it, when it's hit that hard, you you're you're doing something right, especially if you're a contact hitter like he is, man. And for him, for guys like ikf guys like that that's all you can ask so it's it's beautiful when they're doing it it's beautiful when you're seeing you know the power guys like you know judge stanton and rizzo well stanton not now like i said because he's regressed a little bit but you know he was productive earlier in the year and i feel like he'll turn it around but when everybody plays to their role and does what they do best bro it's a beautiful thing and i feel like that's what we saw this weekend will it continue i hope so i truly do but at least for this past weekend for this three-game stretch we saw the yankee offense clicking on all cylinders everybody playing to their role nobody trying to be what they're not and that's all you can ask brother it's a beautiful thing
1: 100 percent. i this was the first series where i i felt like we came in and coming back from you know the the detroit series I felt like we were like we were confident as a team and as a fan base. We went into that series going, we I think we could sweep. I think most definitely we could take two out of three. But I
0: felt the most confident. Speaking of sweeping, let's move on to uh, our next topic, bro. Baltimore, yes, <laughs> sir. You need to sweep. No excuses this time. Absolutely.
1: There's there's absolutely no reason why you can't come into this this series right now. They're coming here. You got to make a statement, especially from last year's woes with with them and and the losing two out of three the way we did so far this year. You got to come in and make a statement. And there's absolutely no reason why you don't win all three games.
0: So you should have won all three games in Baltimore. Let's be real. You did it. That's fine. You know, let's move on. And now you got a chance to sweep them in your home park. You better do it. No excuses. You're pretty much lined up with the same exact pitching matchups as you had in Baltimore. You got Jordan Lyles and his lovely 3.52 ERA, 1.57 whip in three games that he's pitched versus Luis Severino, who's been significantly better. You got Tyler Wells. (laughs) Tyler Wells and his Bro, impeccable 6.75 ERA. 6.75, Sean. (laughs) And 1.88 whip against Jordan Montgomery. That's a dub. It better be a dub. And then, okay, okay, Thursday, you got the better matchup uh, that the, the Baltimore Orioles can give you in the whole series where you got Bruce Zimmerman. I don't know where the hell they got this kid from, but he's been the better of the three. He's posting a 1.20 ERA and a 1.13 whip in, in the three games he's pitched. So he's been pretty good. Um, I remember when, when he was going against Nasty Nestor in the last matchup, because I believe that that was the matchup on yes. Sunday when we lost to them on Sunday and pretty much got, you know, shut down. He was the pitcher, and I was like, who the hell is Bruce Zimmerman? So... You know, you never know. Maybe he might be a guy that's good and we just didn't know he's good because we're Yankee fans and obviously we don't follow the Baltimore Orioles. But um, still, you know, uh, even if he's decent and he's the most decent they've got, you still got Jamison Tyone going for you who, like we said earlier in the podcast, has not been back. And there's no reason you should lose that game either, you know? The first two, you better win, especially that second game against Tyler Wells. You better win. But I feel that even with Bruce Zimmerman, you should get that dub with J-Mo on the mound and and that bullpen, you know, that we got that could come in if J Mo struggles. So yeah. Um, other than that, uh, you know, you're to give you guys a little more of a rundown, you know, just for those of y'all that are interested in knowing a little more, um, you're looking at a team that's currently six and ten. The Yanks are ten and six. Literally opposing sides of, of you know the spectrum as far as records are. You're talking about a team that's five and five in their last 10 games, that's including the, the series win that they got against us, obviously. Um, they're three and seven when they're playing on the road. So you should have an edge on them just based on that. Clearly, they play better at home than they do on the road. Um, and they're three and four since the last time they played us. So that right there should give make you feel like that series win that they got against us. Did they win the series, by the way, Sean, or did we win the series?
1: No, Baltimore won the series. Yeah, I remember. Too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just wanted to make sure, you know what I'm saying? Because I yeah. – I, I tried to erase that series out of my mind because it just frustrated me so badly that I just wanted to erase it. Um, So, okay, ever since they beat you in that last series, they're three and four. So that right there should tell the Yankees and Yankee fans that that last series win that Baltimore got on you was a fluke, you know? Because, I mean, come on, bro, like... 3 and 4 in their last, you know, 7 games since they played against you, um, they're batting a whopping 211 as a team with a league leading league leading 161 strikeouts as a team. Yep. Like, bro, bro, hello. Like, come on. Like, you see that as a Yankee pitching staff, you should be salivating the opportunity to, to go against these guys when you see that they're leading the league in strikeouts and that they're batting a measly 211 as a team. Not only that, but their pitching staff has a 3.17 ERA. They've given up 49 earned runs through 16 games. That's a little three. That's a little over three runs per. Which, I mean, what did we say earlier, Sean? this this ties in perfectly to what you said earlier what did you say earlier that you say to people in the spaces you score three to four runs a game i know you said five runs but let's go with three you should be able to win games with this bullpen and with this pitching staff well these guys are giving up three runs a game a little more than three runs a game if you do the math if you play to their averages and what they're giving up so far per game to start the season you should be able to to sweep this series
1: yeah and and my favorite stat of this whole thing, that uh, I know has been talked about a little bit, but Baltimore only has 44 runs scored. And I know the Yankees and the Yankee fans especially love to attack. You know, Yankee the Yankee hitters of only scoring a little amount of here, and you know we only get four runs a game. This isn't this, that the Yankees have 58 runs scored this season with 44 against. The Orioles are almost exact opposite. We're only 44-4 and 57 against. So. If you want to complain about uh, runs scored, that that's that's the team that you could you should be able to keep under three runs a game and be able to win games by you know an, an example five to two, five three sort of games. These, this is the team where you should be backpacking your momentum off of a Cleveland sweep and try and go out right now and sweep them and head to Kansas City.
0: Head to Kansas City with six wins in a row, bro. Wouldn't that feel nice? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially with the way we started this year.
1: And and to and and not even to take it, you know, away from. From what the Yankees have done but to you go out and sweep Baltimore minimum two out of three but you should you should easily sweep this team you're a way better team you're built to be better than this team and if there's if the biggest stat of them all was every ALE you know winner is always how did they do against Baltimore that year this is the time to prove we're not losing You know, we're not losing eight games to Baltimore this year. Not Never again. Baltimore is still huge in the rebuild. So time to capitalize on it. You
0: need to show that that first initial series against them in Baltimore was a fluke, bro. You have to. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You need to do that. You need to show that it's just April and that, you know, you're still trying to see where you are on the team. And that's what we kind of were. You know, obviously the hitting wasn't there, but you're still changing the lineup every day. We're still trying to fit players in who aren't starters, who should be starters. You know, and to sit judge on on, on Jackie Robinson Day, and then you're sitting Rizzo and Gallo another game, and then you're sitting – uh Glaber and DJ another game you're still trying to figure things out and you know that that cost us that cost us you you're taking out your main starters but it's also you know what needs to happen is you need to backpack on on this this series win on the sweep Cleveland go out and no doubt should sweep Baltimore. Head to Kansas City and face his five and nine Kansas City team after that, and and try to win that series and just keep keep rolling because this AL East division is only gonna get harder and harder as the season gets you know further along.
0: Preach, brother. So hopefully by the next time that we record, we'll be talking about uh, you know the Yankees having won six in a row and going to face this Kansas City team with all momentum on their side, man. Um, I think we're gonna call it a, a wrap. Uh, Sean- Thank you for coming on with me, man. I appreciate you. Um, You know, it's always a pleasure talking to you, brother. Um, Hope to talk to you again sometime soon.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate you uh, having me on here. Uh, I didn't get to speak to John, but John, I hope everything's well with with you and your family. And, uh, you know, uh, you have my blessing. You have my prayers, you know. And uh, I hope you know. Hope the Yankees come out and 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 get a nice sweep here, at least two out of three, and keep moving along.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Sean. Uh, also, I I want to echo those sentiments, uh, John. Nothing but prayers for your for your dad, man. Um, for everyone, for me, Sean, for for John, who you know we wanna, like I said, we wanted to give a special shout out to in this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back, uh, most likely this Friday with another episode of the hottest podcast please be sure to like rate review and subscribe if you haven't already leave us that five star rating on on itunes we really appreciate it and uh go yanks